the um the church that my mom was taking us to whenever I was really small, uh, they would invite all the children up because they had like rows where the choirs where the choir stood at, and they would bring all the children up and they would give them they give the child a hymnal as they walked by, and inside the the hymnal was a two dollar bill. There was one deacon who would always go get the two dollar bill. He'd get a stack of them and he'd put a two dollar bill in the hymnal, so all the kids would come up and uh. And I've probably heard this story about 20 times from other people, but I go up there one time and my hymnal didn't have no money in it. I'm up there and they've already started singing, Father Abraham has many lives. I'm like, hey, hey, I'm stopping everything. I don't got my money. And I keep going and finally I'm screaming over the people and that, that one dick finally gets there and passes it down the road. I'm like, thank you, Father Abraham. <laughs> I don't got my money. Uh, they said that uh, they were telling me one time I came there and, and I was upset because I didn't want to be there. I wanted to stay home and watch cartoons. And, and Reverend Fields, Brother Fields, he was a pastor there. And he had a hat. Every time he'd get up, is everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord? And everybody say, Amen. And I'm standing there holding on to the back of that pew. And he goes, is everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord? And before they could say anything, I said, No! And everybody bust out laughing, except for my mama. She did not think that was funny at all. God is good, amen? Amen. I want to begin in God's word today. And today, Resurrection Sunday. There's always, every Easter, every Christmas, there's always people who be like, well, I don't know why you, that's a pagan holiday, and, and there's really the worship of this. And what that shows is that person doesn't understand two things. They don't understand the mission of the church and the earth. And they don't understand the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Whatever they came through, the early church would go into a village, into a place, and they would bring that whole place to faith in Jesus Christ through preaching the gospel, through signs and wonders. And those people were there and they said, man, we've got these, these holy days. No, no, no. Now... On a day, you want to celebrate something? You're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You want to celebrate something? We'll celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Every holiday that somebody claims used to be pagan or was adapted from something else, that's just a declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what it really is. Not worshiping some demon. It's because somebody got delivered from that demon. And now they're saying Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. That's not my message. That was just, that was without a $2 bill. Praise God. I want to begin reading to you in Philippians chapter 3, and I want to end in Philippians chapter 3 also. But here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, the words of the Apostle Paul, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered loss of all things, I do count them but dung. You know what that is? Manure. I count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
I want to talk to you today about faith in the resurrection. Faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. In Romans, Romans chapter 4 verse 25, he says Jesus was betrayed and crucified because of our sins and was raised from the dead for our justification. Justification speaks of your right standing before God. Our sins were imputed on Jesus Christ and Jesus' righteousness was imputed on us. Man, that's a good deal right there. And if I, if I get it in my mind that I've got to pay for my sins, I am dishonoring Jesus. If I get it in my mind that I am not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I am dishonoring Jesus. The, the cross of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. Changed the world. It put an end. It was the, the, the nail in his hands and in his feet. That was the death nail for religion. That was the death nail for the work of Satan in the earth. He no longer has control over you unless you give it to him, unless you allow him in your life by rejecting Jesus Christ. And then by default, as Jesus said, you are a child of who? Of the devil. Because I was in one place and this, this teacher was like, we're all children of God. I was like, they know what Jesus said. <laughs> we are not all children of God. You were made in God's image, but if you have not received Jesus Christ, you are in your sins. You are in your iniquity. He says there's only really two people. Those who are in Christ and those who are in sin. The sinners and the saints. Those who are redeemed and those who are lost. But he also points out that all through the world, everywhere you go, whenever you meet people, you will meet people who say, they, I know Jesus. They'll say, I'm a Christian. They'll tell you they go to church or they used to go to church. Oh, I've, I've read the Bible. The best one is, I know the Bible. And they'll tell you they know Jesus, but whenever you look at that, Jesus points out, in actuality, there's three kinds of people. He says there's the hot, there's the cold, and there's the lukewarm. There's the hot, there's the cold, and there's the lukewarm. And I've seen this in churches and out of churches. Hey, if you've got any kind of passion for God, you will see people. People who are hot, people on fire for God. Man, it's like you're squirting lighter fluid on a grill. Woof! Whoa! People who are cold, man, they start leaning in. They will love you. They want to be close to that fire. They're looking at, I need that. There's something there. I need that. They'll be leaning in. But the lukewarm... It don't take all that. Oh my gosh. Which one was it that Jesus didn't agree with? I mean, you know what? I read this. I'll read the verse in a minute. The one that made him sick was the lukewarm. I want to read that verse to you. Revelations chapter 3, 15 and 16. I know you well. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other, but since you're merely lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. They say they believe in Jesus, but they're living their life as if he never rose from the dead. That's far too many people right now. 
Far too many people right now, when you see these people, when you see those who are on fire for God, whenever you see them and every every song that's played stokes their fire, every word you say from the word of God, boom, and inflames them with a passion for God. And even the cold, they'll lean in. I need this because they know something's missing. They can feel they haven't had an experience with God. They haven't had an encounter with God and they know it. And they're leaning in. I need it. But the lukewarm, but the lukewarm, they'll be irritated by the passion in somebody else. They'll be irritated by it. And man, it just rubs them the wrong way. It, it can infuriate them. It can make them angry to well there. I recall one minister was telling me how that he had, he had like a mid-sized church about like life church and it was very powerful and growing fast. And he, and he said, he said, we've reached a point in our growth to where the main problem we have is we've become a magnet for the lukewarm. He said, I've got those fire people that help me dig this thing out. And man, they're, they're worshiping God with all their heart. They're out there so winning, bringing people to Christ, praying for the sick. And he said, man, and then the lost are coming in. And, and those who have been hurt in churches, those who need to know what is going on, the cold, they're coming in. And now, boom, they're getting set on fire. He said, but now we're attracting the lukewarm. And they just want to come in because they can blend in with the crowd and they can lift their hand just enough and they can say just enough to where they blend in with the crowd. They fit in. He said, but the main problem, I don't care about them being there, but the main problem is when the new people come in, they affiliate and associate closer with the lukewarm than with the fire people and it's killing the church. That perspective, I don't think a lot of people have that insight to see how things work in an area. As I'm going through this message, I want you to entertain three questions. Three questions. I'll say these a few times during the message. The first one, what if there is more to God than what I have personally experienced? Ask yourself that. What if there is more to God than what I have personally experienced? The second question, what if I could live my whole life even go to church and read the Bible or not. But what if I could live my whole life without encountering God the way he desires? The second one, what if the only thing stopping me from encountering God and experiencing God is my own pride? What if the only thing stopping me from a real God encounter, meeting the Lord of glory, meeting the resurrected Savior, is my own pride, my own, my own stubbornness to where I will not yield to the call of the Spirit? Man, I've seen people who were so cold for so many years. As I began preaching God's word, tears fill up in their eyes and their cold heart caught on fire. And I've seen people who that if I had to find a picture for lukewarm to put in the dictionary, man, that would have been her. Oh, my goodness. And I've seen those people come to a renewed faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then set out to change their world for Jesus. Those three questions. What if there's more to God than what I've experienced? What if I can live my whole life without an encounter with God the way he desires? 
And what if the only thing stopping me from this encounter and this experience with God, the way he desires it, is pride. That same verse in Revelation chapter 3 in the Message Bible says it this way, I know you inside and out, and I have found little to my liking. Jesus, that's not love. He said, I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. It is far better that you be cold or hot, but you're stale, you're stagnant, and you make me want to vomit. Whew. How many of you have read that before? That's, and, and I can look back at my life, and there were entire seasons of my life where I know that was me. I don't have to have somebody pointing their finger on it. I don't have to somebody tell me. I know that was me. But there had to come a place whenever I was willing to lay down my pride. There had to come a place whenever I was willing to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and truly believe that he is alive now, that he's risen from the dead now, and that his desire is to come and live inside of me by way of the Holy Spirit now and use me as a willing vessel in the earth. And until you come to that place to where you make that own purpose decision and then following hard after that, you are the lukewarm. Most people don't like to, I don't normally get that response when I say that, but until I come to that place where I realize that I was the lukewarm and, and I had, and I would have argued with you about how much I knew the Lord, brother, but in the back of my mind, I knew I have never really met him in a way that changed me. I had never really met the one that he said was a fire from his loins up and from his loins down. I had never really met that one to where that fire came inside of me. And it was evident to everybody I met except for me. I was the only one who didn't realize it. That same verse in the Amplified says, I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, and he gives this insight to the word in the Greek. The word lukewarm is actually polluted, watered down, or as he says here, spiritually useless. I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to operate in me and through me, and I'm by default lukewarm. Spiritually useless, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. We are supposed to be filled with the fullness of God. We are supposed to have the resurrected Jesus rose from the dead, the goal of the resurrection. The Bible says the blood of Jesus washes away your sins but then there's this there's this connection that's in the scripture i don't understand it all i can't fully see it all but there's this connection in the scripture where he says the death of jesus the blood of jesus washes away our sins but it was understanding and faith in the resurrection of jesus is actually what activates it the way he said in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, he's resurrected. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then and only then you'll be saved. And so many people are living their life, and they're not fully recognizing he's alive from the dead. He's risen again. 
The same Jesus you see in the word of God is alive. I may have prayed prayers. I may have been baptized. I may have went through classes, but I didn't come to that acknowledgement that Jesus is alive from the dead. I didn't have that living encounter with him. And because of that, I'm in this place where I'll tell you about God and tell you I know him, but I'm really lukewarm. And according to this, it's sickening to God. This is going to get better in a minute. I'm going to say, you know, like, praise God. That's a blessing, brother. I'm, I'm building up to something here. The questions I asked, the first one, what if there is more to God than what I have personally experienced? There has to be a hunger in you. None of us has arrived. I have not arrived. None of us has gotten there yet. But I'm telling you, there's more to this Christian life than what I'm walking in right now. And if I stop, the way Paul gives the example over and over again, he said, you have to fight, not like somebody who's missing and hitting the air, but like a champion who wants to win. You have to run, not like, he said, everybody starts off in the race. But you have to run with all of your might like the one who wants to win the race. And man, that fire, that fire has been weaned out of so many people to where they've been taught that it's okay to be lukewarm. They've been taught that it's okay, okay to have, to say I have the life of God in me, but it doesn't come out of me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, now, now most people don't know this, but this is one of the most repeated verses in the Bible. Four times this is in Scripture. Leviticus 26, 12, Jeremiah 32, 38, and Ezekiel 37, 28, and then here, 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, he requotes that. He says, God said this, and then he quotes those. He says, verse, beginning at verse 16, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, now he quotes the Old Testament. This is the fourth time this is in scripture. I will dwell in them. The word dwell means live, like your dwelling place. I will dwell in them and walk in them. Do you believe that? Do you believe that whenever you receive Jesus Christ, you are the dwelling place of God and that his desire is to walk in you? The word walk means your lifestyle to live through you to a dying world. Do you believe that when you receive Christ, you receive him into yourself? As he said, God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them. I will be the God and they shall be my people. The goal of God in the resurrection was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The goal of God in the resurrection was so that Jesus could ascend to the right hand of the Father and send his spirit to live inside of you. Too many have rejected that for so long. And they'll sing songs of praise about Jesus, thanking him for what he's done, and then refuse to yield to him to have his way in their life. And then wonder why the spirit of depression is attached to me. Wondering why I can't shake this anxiety. Wondering why my, I can't get this right. Wondering why all of these spiritual attacks are coming upon me. But I love Jesus. It comes down to 
like that last question there, what if the only thing stopping me from having this encounter, what if the only thing stopping me from experiencing God the way He desires is my pride, my, my unwillingness to yield to Him, or my fear of man? That's really the stem of pride. People have this pride and they can't look at me that way. They can't talk to me that way. Do they know who I am? Instead of saying, do you know who Christ is? I, I'm willing to be, like he says, willing to be made a fool in the eyes of the world for the glory of Christ. And so many people say, not me. Everything in our relationship to the Holy Spirit is about discovering and manifesting the resurrected Christ. Everything about our relationship to the Holy Spirit is about discovering and manifesting the resurrected Christ in the earth right now. That same portion of scripture I read to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I want to give it context. Read the voice, verses before it and after it. I'm going to read in the message, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 18. Don't become partners with those who reject God. Now, now I recall years when I read this, I thought he meant the God haters, the Satan worshippers, the pentagram wearers, the, the witchcraft spell casting. I, that's what I thought he was talking about. That's not who he's talking about. He's talking about the lukewarm. I want to show you this in this verse. Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make a partnership out of right and wrong? That's not a partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with dark? Does, cast, does, does Christ go strolling with the devil? Do trust and mistrust hold hands? Who would think of setting up pagan idols in God's holy temple? But that's exactly what we are. Each of us is a temple in whom God lives. God himself put it this way. I'll live in them, move in them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. So leave the corrupt, corruption and compromise. The phrase there that is in this one translated corruption and compromise. You guessed it. Word for lukewarm, polluted, watered down. He's telling the church, get away from being lukewarm. So leave the corruption and compromise. Leave it for good, says God. Don't link up with those who pollute you. The same word for, for lukewarm. Sister word to the Greek word lukewarm. Those who pollute you or water you down. I want you all for myself. I'll be like a father to you and you'll be like sons and daughters to me. If we say that we believe in Jesus, but if we live our life as if he has not risen from the dead, then I'm the lukewarm. If I say that I believe in Jesus, but I live my life like he didn't raise from the dead, then I'm the lukewarm. The first step is acknowledging, man, is that me? Having God by the Holy Spirit revealed to me, that's why I feel the way I do. That's why I can pray and it seems like nothing happens. That's why I cry out to God and it seems like it doesn't get past the ceiling, like people say, because I'm the lukewarm.
I'm, I'm living a life as if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Many who say they believe in Jesus have no hope, no passion, and no power. And the reason is they see something else bigger than the resurrection of Jesus. They have no hope, no passion, no power. They see the thing that made them bigger, made them bitter. They see that as bigger than the resurrection of Jesus. They see the hurts that they've suffered as bigger than the resurrection of Jesus. They see the wrong done to them as bigger than the resurrection of Jesus. And then they've allowed that corruption to come in. They've allowed that compromise to come in and put them in a place the Bible calls lukewarm. And they're no longer living pleasing to God. The joy of the Lord is not their strength. That the things of God are not being manifest in them and through them. And they are no longer a usable, usable vessel in the hand of God. But once somebody realizes that, the question is, what do you do about it? Whenever I realize that, do I say, but I don't care. A lot of people, they've been that way for so long, they really don't care. They absolutely think, they may not say it that way, but they absolutely think, I've experienced everything there is in God. I know everything there is to know about God, and now I'm mad because you're telling me I don't. I've been to a lot of places all across America, and I'm telling you, a lot of people believe, feel, and think that way. Many who believe in Jesus have no hope, no passion, no power operating in their lives because they don't understand what the resurrection of Christ from the dead means and they don't understand the power of the resurrection. Remember my three questions. What if there's more to God than what I've experienced? What if I could live my whole life, even go to church, even know the Bible or not, without an encounter with God the way he desires. The last one, what if the only thing stopping me from encountering and experiencing God the way he desires is my pride? Because you see, sin has been paid for at the cross. Now what sin does is, when you read in the Old Testament, you would see that sin would enrage God. But now the Bible says that the wages of sin, which is death, now he points to sin in the New Testament and he says the debt has been fully paid, that the wrath of God has been stayed, has been stopped, that Jesus paid it all. And now what sin does is sin in reality gives Satan access to your life. Doesn't make God mad. God's mad at you. And that, no, that's, that's religion. That's not Christianity. And people try to put people in this, this moral bind. Oh, God's going to be mad at you if you do that, if you say that. That's not the thing. God is not going to be mad at you. But you are allowing demons into your life. You are opening up the door to the devil. The way Paul said is you're giving a foothold to Satan in your life. And what you have sown, you will also reap. And if you plant briars and thorns, that's what grows up. And then people say, why did God do this? Now, God didn't do that. See, sin was dealt with at the cross. And now whenever you receive him and you receive full forgiveness and you receive the washing away of the sin and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. But then as he says, there are those who say they believe in Jesus, but they're not hot. They're not on fire for God. They're not using, their body is not being used as a vessel of righteousness for God. 
They're not cold. They're not seeking and feeling that I'm empty. I need something. They're lukewarm and they don't care. In Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to be ending with this portion. Philippians chapter 3 that I started off in. I want to read 10 through 14 in the Living Bible. He says, I have given up everything else. And I have found this the only way. He's speaking of extreme surrender. Extreme commitment to Christ. I recall that after I had, now um, I went to church on and off growing up. It wasn't until I was 18 that I came and received Christ. And, and I still now, man, I have this, not, not like a, um, a condemnation, but a conviction about all the years that I lived without serving Christ. 18 years. But, but I came to know Christ. And even then, I loved God. I was following hard after God. But there came, it was one Sunday night service. I came in and I had an encounter with the Lord of glory. And oh man, everything changed. I mean, it was tangible. I could feel it. I knew that my life would never be the same again. And we went home. And Crystal and I went home. We were already married, had our own place then. And I, we went home. And, and man, I cleaned up. I went around. I threw away anything that didn't look like, smell like, taste like Jesus. But even her stuff. She said, that's my stuff. I don't care. It's going to the trash. I was just... That, but that was just my mindset. I'm sold out. And I recall, and she reminds me of this often. I recall looking at her as we're there getting in the bed. I said, honey, I said, something changed. God is real. I am going to serve him 100%. I want you to come with me. But if you don't, if you say, oh, that's right or wrong, whatever it is, that this, that mindset of I've met him. I've had an encounter with God that changed my life, and that's what's missing. There are people who can have a perfect doctrinal statement, can write you out a perfect biblical thesis, but they haven't had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And now they're trying to serve the Lord. No, if you're still trying to serve the Lord, it means you have not met him yet. Because once you meet him, the natural outflow will be like Paul, like the Apostle Paul before when he was Saul on the road to Damascus and he was knocked down and he said, Who are you, Lord? Supreme ruler and king, one who tells me what to do. He'll say, Now I'm going to try to do my best to serve you. Who are you, Lord? And I'm telling you today. You need to have this encounter with him. What, what I'm going to do is, is, is why I'm going to get to the end of this and, and I'm going to move all this junk. I'm going to stand up here and I'm going to ask you to come down here and pray. I'm not going to go pray with you individually. I want this to be where it, it wasn't me and Robbie did this. No, I want it to be you. I'm going to say some things. I'm going to lead you in. I'm going to talk to you from the word of God. But I want it to be you having an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I want to come up here and I want to ask you in a few minutes to come down here. And I want you to come with the heart that I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 3. Position your heart. He's not a respecter of persons. He's ever did it for one person. You're out to have it done for you. 
In this portion, he says, I have given up everything else, and I have found this to be the only way to do these three things. And these three things are what's needed now. It needs to be more in my life, and I know that it needs to be in your life, and it needs to be experienced by the people in this community. These three things. I have found this to be the only way to, number one, really know Christ. Truly know Christ. Number two, I have found this to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience His mighty power. You can go to church year after year. You can go to the occult religions. You can go to fortune tellers. You can go to Satan worship. Well, that's what it is. You can go into all these demonic things, open up the door to the devil in your life if you want to, but you will not experience the mighty power of Jesus Christ until you come to this place to where you do like he says, I am willing to give up everything. I have found this to be the only way to truly know Christ to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again. And number three, and to find out what it really means to suffer and die with him. We're not talking about popularity. We're talking about power. We're not talking about what the world says is okay, what the world approves of. We're talking about what God approves of. We're talking about the life of God in and through you. We're talking about Jesus Christ is alive from the dead. We're talking about Jesus Christ is risen. And now his desire is to live in you and through you, that he would dwell in you and walk in you. I'm going to start back at the beginning. I have given up everything else. I have found this to be the only way to really know Christ to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to know what it means to suffer and die with him. That's real life. Whenever you die to sin, die to self, die to what you desire and what you want, and then you come alive to God in Jesus Christ. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about taking up your cross and following him. He's talking about declaring like Paul said, I'm not alive anymore. The life that I live in this body is not me. That that I'm crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live now in this flesh and blood body, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. That's what I'm inviting you to today. all of us, we have to get to the place where we don't allow people who have not really known Christ, who are not experiencing His mighty power and don't understand what it means to suffer and die with Him. Don't let those people tell you what it takes to do that. They don't know. Don't let them tell you it doesn't take all that. Don't let them tell you that that's not really what it is. Don't let them tell you how to experience the mighty power of God if they're not experiencing it. Because all they're going to do is try to bring you into corruption and lukewarmness like they are. All they're going to try to do is lullaby you to sleep like they are. I've given up everything else. I've found it to be the only way to really know Christ, to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and die with him. Verse 11, 
So whatever it takes, is that your attitude when you hear Jesus rose from the dead? Whatever it takes, that is the only attitude of a Christian. A Christ-like one, a follower of the Christ. Religion may have told you, no, do these three easy steps and you know Jesus. The Bible says you have to have this attitude. He said this is the only way that I've found. And I guarantee you the Apostle Paul had a lot more understanding and knowledge than me or you. And he said, this is the only way I've found to know Christ, to experience the power of God, and to really know what it means to suffer and die with him. And then he says, so whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in this fresh newness of life. Will that be you? Only the one, you're the only one that can decide that. Will it be you? Will you have this attitude, whatever it takes, I am going to live in this fresh newness of life that he's talking about. I'm going to truly know Christ. I'm going to experience the power of God. And I'm going to begin to understand what it means whenever he says you have to die to the world to be alive before me. That if you will not give up your life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, you have, you are given eternal life. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in this fresh newness of life of those that are alive from the dead. Verse 12, I don't mean to say that I'm perfect. None of us are perfect. I don't mean to say that I'm perfect. I haven't learned all I should even learn yet. And I'm telling you, that's going to be one of the hindrances whenever I ask you to come. I don't know enough. I don't know enough and let me figure it out yet. Let me get some things right first and then, no, that is the voice of the enemy trying to keep you in a place of bondage. I don't quite know enough and if I could figure out something else or if I really knew this, that is the voice of the enemy because you will never figure it out and you will never know. Even the Apostle Paul, who had ascended to the third heaven, who had great revelation, who wrote most of the New Testament, he said, I don't know everything that I should know yet. So I don't know everything that I should know yet. I haven't learned all that I should even yet, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me to be and all that Christ wants me to be. Is that your desire? You've got to feel that burning inside of you. You've got to feel that passion in you. If, if you're the cold, you've got to be leaning in saying, I, I need that. I need that fire of God. I need to come close to the resurrected Savior. I need to come close to him. And I need to have an encounter with God today that changes me to where whenever I walk out of here, I'm not the same person. I recall one minister, he was telling me how that, and he, he had already established churches. He had preached for years, and then he said he finally got serious with God and had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he talked about how after that he was out and he seen one, one of the old church members that was just as sour, bitter, and nasty as he could be. Walked up to him and said, Hey, Pastor Sonzo, how you doing? And he said, He grabbed his hand. He said, You didn't hear? You didn't hear about what? He said, Pastor Bob died. He said, What? I'm sitting there looking at you right now. He said, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not the same man I used to be. I met Jesus. I was crucified with Christ. I've been risen from the dead, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Said, okay, thank you. But that mindset, 
of unchanged. That can only come not through somebody talking to you about it, not through you getting to where you figured it all out. It can only come through an encounter with the resurrected Lord. I don't mean to say that I'm perfect. I haven't learned all that I should even yet, but I keep working towards that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me to be and all that Christ wants me to be. He's not saying do more. He's saying yield more. He's not saying I've got to do something to please the Lord. I've got to do something to bless God. No, he's saying just yield to him. Yield to him. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord today. Call on the name of the Lord. Stand in faith like he's saying, God, I'm I, I going to do this. You see, the, the scripture doesn't say that you need to, to, to study and know. He says, taste and see. Taste and see that he's good. And I'm telling you right now, if you come down here today and you meet Christ and you decide you don't like him, Satan will take you back. I promise you. And I'm telling you right now, you will not want to go back. You will not want to turn back. That, that all of a sudden it'll be like fog has been removed and you'll be having this passion and this life flowing out of you and other people are going to see it. He's not saying do more. He's saying yield more to the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. No, dear brothers. I'm still not all I should be, but I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. That has to be the attitude. Not I'm getting cleaned up to come to Jesus. Not I'm going to get dressed up to go have this meeting with Christ. It's I'm coming like I am right now. And I'm going to put all of my energy to bear. Tell you. If you have not had this encounter with Christ, if you have not had this meeting with Him, that's not your attitude. Most people in churches and out of churches have a take it or leave it kind of thing. I believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. Until they have this encounter with Christ. And then all of a sudden, all their energies come to bear. The idea is me putting all of my strength into doing something. I was trying to get this boat loose. Now I'm uh, putting all my, uh, put all, I'm putting all my energy to bear on this one thing. That's got to be the attitude. I need to meet Christ. I need to have an encounter with him that changes me forever. And then you let him do the changing. I'm not giving you a list of stop doing bad stuff, start doing good stuff. I'm inviting you to an encounter with him, and then he does the changing. If he doesn't like something in your life, he can pull it out. If he wants you to do something, he can call you to it. We mess up whenever a preacher tries to call you to do it. Mess up whenever a preacher tries to make you start or stop something. But whenever it's the Lord of glory and you've met him, now, nobody can talk you out of it because nobody talked you into it. The rest of that verse, verse 13, Dear brothers, I'm still not all that I should be. Do you understand that? I guarantee you, Paul was more holy and living an outwardly righteous life than me and anybody I know. But he says, I'm still not all that I should be. 
that humility and that brokenness before God. That's why that last question was, what if pride was the only thing keeping me from this encounter? That's not pride whenever the man's saying, I know I don't got it all. I know I'm not everything I should be. I haven't learned all that I should even yet. He says, but I'm bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I want to ask you if you'll please stand with me right now. Yes. Honey, you mind coming to the... Oh, you already... Again. I, I want to ask you to prepare your heart right now. Look down at your feet. Those feet have taken you to a lot of places. Good and bad places. And what I'm asking you right now is in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come up to this open area right here in faith with the attitude of whatever it takes, I want to meet Jesus. I'm not talking about, have you ever prayed this prayer after me? I'm not talking about, have you ever did whatever church told you to do? I'm asking you to come down here and say, I need a greater revelation of the risen Lord. I need an encounter with God because I'm telling you, things are getting dark. This world is getting more and more wicked as more and more people submit to Satan. You're starting to see open Satan worship. And yeah, and maybe 50, 60 years ago, man, it seemed radical for somebody to talk about casting demons out and doing this stuff because the whole nation wasn't given to Satan worship. It could have seemed radical to talk about coming down and praying with intensity and crying and reaching out for God. Because the whole, lot, the whole area around us had morals and integrity. But I'm telling you, the people that are getting saved now, the people that are coming in, the teenagers that are going to come in, the adults that are coming in, they've given themselves to witchcraft. They've opened themselves up to demonic entities. And it's not going to be, pray this prayer after me. It's going to be they need to meet Jesus. They need to meet somebody who has the Spirit of God living in them and tells the devil to leave, take his hands off their life, and then they need to have the scales fall off their eyes and they need to see the risen Lord. A reality. I want to ask you right now, prepare your heart. Begin to cultivate this attitude, whatever it takes. I need to see Jesus. Any pride there, anything that would stop you. Well, you say, I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to walk up there. I already know everything. Whatever it is that would stop you. I want you to push that aside. If you're there with your wife or with your loved one, grab their hand and say, I'm going. I want you to come with me. The call of God for this time. The call of God for now is a reality. The people in this world, they're getting some form of reality in the demonic. They're getting some form of realness in things that are not of God. They're getting feelings. They're getting emotions. They're getting some form of what they would call reality in the wicked. And I'm telling you right now, you cannot give something you don't have. 
You need to have this encounter with God, not just for you. You need to have this encounter with the resurrected Christ so that you can be about your Father's business. I want to ask whoever will would to come now and pray with me. I want to ask you to come up to this open area here and let's pray. Oh God, we thank you and magnify you, Lord. Oh God. Oh God, I thank you and magnify you, Lord. We praise you, God. You please come here, fall in here and pack over to the left and the right. 